crocodile man, a witch woman, a guy yeah. that can set himself on fire? Right. Are you blind? <laughs> and she's like, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people are in line for a popcorn. Hey, third person in line. What kind of popcorn do you want? Yeah. I'm okay. gonna quit! I'm All right, putting right. down my resignation! Bro, and you're a better toilet <laughs> fixer than we <laughs> Welcome to the JR Talk Show. I'm one of your hosts, Robert Burry, joined as always by John hey. and Rowan. Hey, folks. Um, a couple of things to get out of the way before we get into the news. Um, we're up on a bunch of different services for you guys now. Um, iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, if you need to find that, just go to one of those services and search JRR Talk Show and it should pop up. Uh, the only exception to that being YouTube because there's so much on YouTube. Um, the easiest way to find us on YouTube is to go to hammerbarrel.com. That'll have a link to our page. Um, and that also hosts the audio as well. Make sure to give us a like, give us a comment, help yeah. us uh, get found. Yeah, com. even yeah, even if you're going to listen to us on a certain service, if you could go to the other services, give us a like, subscribe, stuff like that. That just helps us be found. It helps us be more visible. Um, so we appreciate it. Uh, time to get into the news. Not a big news week. Biggest thing that we have is kind of a follow-up to what we were talking about last week with box office. And really, it's talking about Hollywood attacking Rotten Tomatoes for the poor sales for the summer. Yeah. What did you guys think of this? I am, I'm split on it, right? Because, like, you know, Hollywood's always going to look for someone to blame for bad sales, right? Yeah. Whether it's Netflix or it's Rotten Tomatoes, they're always going to try to give a reason for why it wasn't them, you know? Am I out of touch? No, it must be the yeah, audience, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But, like, to be fair, one thing that I thought about when I was reading this is how review systems can impact audiences. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I jumped to think about, like, the two that came to mind was Rotten Tomatoes and Netflix. And for example, on Netflix, the review system on there is used to cater what you see, right? So yeah. if you review something poorly, you don't see more films like that. But yeah. unfortunately, that drops the rating of that film for everybody. Mm -hmm. So good films on Netflix sometimes are bad because they're a niche audience. Like they're reviewed yeah. badly because they're for a niche audience. And so I think the sort of the same thing happens with Rotten Tomatoes is people review movies based off of their personal feelings instead totally. of critiquing it as a art form or as a narrative form. So we don't get as in-depth critiques of films through Rotten Tomatoes as we did from professional critics. Um, well, and that's like me and John were talking about, um, what's the movie with Christian Bale, Slicked Hair, what was that? Oh, American Hustle. American Hustle. <laughs> American we were talking Hustle. about this the other day. Yeah. I was like, that was a good movie. I don't think I ever want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think there's a lot of people who, if they're like, I don't want to watch this movie again, would give it like a bad review or something like right. that. So I totally get that perspective, especially on Netflix. I I like agree and disagree with this for sure. A little bit. The side that I agree with and I think is the biggest issue is how Rotten Tomatoes scores stuff. Because I think for most people who don't understand how it scores, it's misleading. Um because basically what Rotten Tomatoes does is takes all of the scores. The aggregate good, score. Bad. Yeah. And what they do is they don't give it like a letter grade based on the score. They give it a percentage on how many people liked it. So I think the biggest issue with that is really the way that we we're brought up in like school and stuff. When you're in school, C is average, which is a 70%. Mm -hmm. Anything above that, you know, B 80% above average, you know, 90%, you know, excellent. I think what the problem with Rotten Tomatoes scoring is it's not the same as that. And that's what everyone will base their like opinion on. 
If you see like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, it could still be a good movie and be great for you. But you see 60%, I'm not even going to try it. Right. Mm -hmm. You see 70%. Most people like, you know, me and John might go see a 60% or a 70% because we go to movies all the time. We go to like the $5 Tuesday. If you have that family that goes to one movie a month, they're not going to risk you know, they're not going to risk $70, you know, on a 70%. Come on now. So they're waiting for that 80, 90%. And if those never come, then they just never go. Right. Especially for like, you know, the the movies uh, for like the summer and stuff. Like if they don't see that, they just don't go. And then they just keep waiting and waiting. And then they don't ever go to a movie. So I think <laughs> for that, that's the misleading part. And that's the part that I don't like about Rotten Tomatoes is because people don't expect that kind of scoring because of how we've been raised through going through school and everything mm -hmm. by having, you know, certain percentages mean certain things. So people are way, way less to branch out on a 70 and 60% than on an 80 or 90%. Yeah, totally. And that's what bothers me the most about Rotten Tomatoes. And I think it can lead to that because before you would get like letter grades and you would go to one place and it would give you a letter grade. And if one place liked it, you know, and one place didn't, it would be a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super misleading. Yeah. Because if you trust like, and that's a, you know, tough thing. You have to kind of know the reviewers. And like there's certain websites that I go to that I know the reviewers because I've read enough of their articles about reviewing content, whether it's video games or movies, that I know their kind of style. Sure. And like if I'm like, if they're reviewing this movie, they've got this kind of thing and I know they like X movie, I'm more willing to trust them or not trust them. Right. Like if you gave me a review of <laughs> Prometheus, I wouldn't believe you on certain movies. <laughs> sure. you know, on the other alien movies, like if I disagreed with you, you know. Right. Like <laughs> giving those like hard points, like reference points essentially. So I think it's just misleading now. Like, yeah, I, I think that the issue there is that it makes it so that I also think it falls into the like films have to cater to a to all audiences yeah issue right if like if you have a, a 99 score on rotten tomatoes it means that everyone likes it but that also doesn't mean you're technically doing a good story you're just doing a story that's palatable to everybody yeah right and so like i think that niche films and films that have like specific audiences or tell a type of story that is maybe not comfortable for a lot of people also get swept under the the rug because the controversial yeah things. Like it's so I think that like democratic voting on content is always great when you have like social level content voting. Right. I think that that's always a good way to get a heartbeat of like what people think of your products and what are people's reviews. But I think like maybe Ron Tomatoes would benefit from having a more in-depth review system i just don't get like how rotten tomatoes just became like the good because even right. like normal like like why like fandango like yeah they they post it all the time uh, a lot, lot of like the movie sites just post all the time like why yeah why did you guys just agree to put this i on think there? it just like, honestly became really popular in like the early like you know internet age of being able to like that was always the one and i think it was you know because at first it kind of started almost a little bit more satirical mm -hmm. of a like review site than just like, you know, one person reviewing one movie. It was like, hey, we're taking everyone's reviews. And they would like, you know, you give, you know, things bad scores. You get to make it, you know, what is it called when it's, is it just rotten? What is it called when it scores bad? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a rotten. rotten. Like yeah, being rotten. able to fresh call a movie rotten. rotten. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this like fresh, you're this fresh rotten. You're you know, rotten. like <laughs> you're giving words versus good and bad. You're giving like right. visceral feelings to it. So it, it just became really popular. Um and then it was one of those things where it became popular, then it became the standard, and everyone's like, oh, this is it now. Like, this is what you do. And it's like, oh, what? What okay. did this become? Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, I think that it does affect how audiences view movies. 
Um, I think that it does have an impact on sales, but I also think that it can't be the the big baddie to movie sales, right? Like Hollywood can't just point their finger no. at Rotten Tomatoes and be like, "You're ruining this for everyone." <laughs> now, Ron, I, I believe myself to be a five star man. Uh, if I'm not watching a five star film, I just don't. I just don't, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to turn well, out. I'm just going like, to out. <laughs> like what we were talking about last week, where it's like I just I feel like this year was just a slump of like there just weren't. There were movies that could have been good, but there were more hard bets on them than mm-hmm. like because what was the you gave me a list for what's coming out next summer and it's going to be <laughs> nuts next summer. It's just all sequels, just all. But like what was like sequels. the actual list? Because it was you were reading some meme or something that someone posted, and it was like I was list- hearing these movies and I was like, oh my gosh, next summer is going to be huge, right? Because it's actual big movies. It's not like. You know, Wonder Woman kind of like Wonder Woman came out of nowhere. No one expected that to do good, and it mm. did amazing. You had stuff like Dunkirk, where it's a good movie, but it's not a blockbuster in the same way that Interstellar or Inception was. Right. Like these are movies that did more than they were expected to, but you know, weren't crazy. Well, that's a lot. A lot of people were trying to make that weird ass. Uh What's that, that weird argument? Like, oh, all the blockbusters are failing, so therefore the rise of the indie film is back up again, or the yeah. rise of the B film is like, no, 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 no. It's just a slump. Just a yeah, slump. It's just one <laughs> That's slump. That's all it is. That can happen. Um, Do you have that meme, John? <laughs> Do I have that meme? Find the meme, John. <laughs> I expect you to be the meme machine. <laughs> My memes can't go fast enough. <laughs> are you still looking? I am yeah, still he's looking. He's still looking, man. He's super bad at this. I don't know why we have him on this well, show. Well, we just cut it. We just you cut one job, John. You're the one. <laughs> no, we're gonna, I'm just going to leave this whole part in. Let people know you're Dead failing. air. <laughs> we're we, gonna got, have we got a bad sound, guys. Leaving all the bad stuff in <laughs> You just have to go, <laughs> the <whole time>. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> so I have to cut it out. I can just mute your channel, I guess. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's on you, John. Well, go fuck yourself, I guess. God, well, I'll just look it up myself. God damn. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, technically, I read off a list at the end of the last episode. Was, but there was like was the first two months, yeah, not summer well, block. Like, yeah, like, you didn't list that at all. Come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> you didn't do that at all. Rowan, <laughs> it's you and me against Rob. <laughs> we have to be in this together. <laughs> Everyone knows I just kind of pick sides. I found but, it. When does it actually like stop? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I, I'm looking at it too. Oh, so we've got next year, we've got Infinity War. We've got Incredibles 2. This, the Han Solo movie. Incredibles 2, Deadpool 2. Ocean's 8, Jurassic World, The Predator, Purge 4, Ant Man and, and Wasp, Wasp, like like Hotel Transylvania 3, which is going to be the big like animated one, one of the big mm-hmm. animated ones. The next Leica film. Like Mission Impossible 6, there's an untitled DC movie coming out. <laughs> How can an untitled movie be coming out? Ocean's 8. Yeah. Predator movie. Yeah, exactly. There's a Barbie movie coming out. Oh, hey, guys, I found the list. (laughs) 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 Infinity War, Han Solo, Deadpool 2, Ocean's A, Incredibles 2, Jurassic World 2, Purge 4, Ant-Man, Wasp, Mission Impossible 6, The Predator, and Battle Angel Alita? Really? Is that that still happening? It's happening. That's gonna, that's our, that list is already way bigger than this <laughs> last year. Crazy year's. list. That's a huge list. I'm so like, excited for Incredibles too. <laughs> yeah, like oh, exactly. Man. Next year is gonna blow up. Like, so I don't think anyone needs to be worried at all. Like, mm. there's I mean, it's such an overreaction, and oh, like the whole blame rotten tomatoes. It's like, dude, you guys just like it was just an off year. You just didn't release that right. many like movies that were of course gonna make money. It was like, I hope this makes money. <laughs> I think the the hard thing that we're seeing now with Hollywood is that the too big to fail philosophy is starting to fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god! But with, 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 it was so perfect, with the exception of Disney. <laughs> but it's just like we're starting to see that 
giant budget films are now starting to fail, right? Like they're putting, yeah. they're sinking all these this money into these films and that aren't guaranteed. They're not guaranteed, anymore. and so suddenly they're losing way more than they expected on these films that they just like dumped their pockets into, and. You know that for the most part they can recover from that kind of stuff, but like what so, happens yeah, the way when the like is built. what happens if like Infinity War fails? It won't. No, it won't. But well, that's like, like that's such like that's the weird thing. It's like what's the first Marvel movie that's gonna like tank like super hard? Thor came close. The, the Thor movies have come pretty close. But those <laughs> I think are so much in a different level of like budget than like yeah. I, I expected they're like, they're Doctor kinda, Strange to do it. Like I thought it was going to be so left field for a lot of people, yeah. and it did really well. It did really so well. it's like I wonder when it's going to happen because like if, even if you look at like you know like Star Wars, like just looking at Disney, like when are they going to fail? Even you look at Star Wars, like everyone hated you know episode one two and three those still did crazy good right and these new ones came back and did even more so it's like what do they have to do because disney has like just this you know three-prong attack that just doesn't seem to fail and even if they have like a tiny slump it's so small like infinitesimal because they've got another movie coming out four months down the line that's just gonna blow it up also just like half of their you know ips you know people are gonna go because it is that ip it doesn't matter on what people's reviews are you know, like it's just got universal in their monster. Uh, I, monster it's like one of those things where I feel, I, I feel bad. Yeah, I don't feel bad for them because they're like, it's we're going to do our, the we're gonna do our universal monster like series. Hey, we're going to do Dracula Untold. That's going to be great. You know what, guys? It didn't do that great. But you know what? The mummy. That's what's going to set and off. Dracula Untold. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Dracula, yeah, like the mummy's going to do great. It doesn't do great. Then the next thing you see Andy Samberg doing his like cringe face. I see like everyone's just like looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, uh, how embarrassing. I just want them to have this whole universal monster thing so they can set up everyone and like have all the movies because then they can do like a weird musical version with all those characters for Monster Mash. Great. <laughs> great. It was a graveyard smash. Was it, was it a graveyard smash? I mean, I, I just, to be honest, with all this like interconnected like movie universes, which as a concept I'm all for, I think it's a great idea. It's like what we were talking about with Alien. Like it's all right. But like, my thing is, is that I want a new IP doing it. I don't. Like, I would love to see new IPs try it out instead of, like, us just, like, rehashing, like, old 1940s monster movies that have been remade several times, right? Or, like, you know, I feel like as I, you know, the whole, like, everything's a, re- everything's a remix, everything's a remake, I want, I want to see something new try it. Which, honestly, I feel like the bummer part is, like, they weren't good, but, like, the monster movies kind of were that, though. Right. Like, because they're trying mm. to change it completely from what the original Yeah, but Because we were having an argument about this today about how preconceived he, notions. he didn't like that they changed them to be less kind of horror-esque movies. Yeah, I want I more. want to see a horror, like, inter- interconnected horror film series. That'd like, be that great. would have been interesting. That'd, you, that's, I like, so... But like, I just don't understand how you make that, because, like, exactly. you think of, like, that, like, like that's what makes Freddy so versus Jason. <laughs> like, whenever you have these weird crossovers, like, Alien versus Predator, it's like... Yeah, but you won't... You don't have your horror film characters fight each other because that gets rid of the horror when no, you no, have no. the monster stuff fight each other that's what, that's, what like, yeah. that, but that's what I'm saying like if they're going to make an interconnected universe they can't make it a horror version well that's, well, that's why I, I was telling I'm Rob sorry. about this what? No, no, I was, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was telling Rob about this movie earlier uh, one of my favorite films is uh, Monster Squad mm-hmm. uh, have you seen it Rowan? I have not I don't know what you're talking it's about it's basically though. taking the kids from the Sandlot or the kids from it and just having them fight against Dracula the Wolfman the creature from the Black Lagoon Frankenstein they're all real they just all know each other right. and they decide like we're actually 
actually going to murder people. We're actually going to take over this one town. And these kids are like, oh, no. Oh, no. But it's like it's one of those weird things where, like, yeah, Dracula's wearing his, like, classic, you know, fancy tuxedo suit. But it's like one of those things. No, he's actually killing people. the big, like, uh, yeah, yeah, the, he, collar. He, the, the, collar. the collar and stuff like that. But it's like, and, like, no, he's actually killing people. And, like, the wolfman, like, he can't contain the wolfman because the wolfman's still human and doesn't right. want to be part of the thing. And so the wolfman's actually trying to stop stop him and help the kids. But when he wolves out, he just tries to murder the kids. And they're like, oh, God, we're getting so many mixed signals about this. <laughs> and it's a great film because it's, like, it's funny, it's actiony, and it's also scary. So, like, this is, I mean, this isn't exactly what I want to see from Universal, but it's, like, like it was such a like, out-of-nowhere film like that basically made the Avengers movie first. And I was like, I like this. This is, you can base off an entire series of movies off the Monster Squad. I'd be happy. Well, I think if you wanted to do a interconnected horror genre, you do, like, Monster Hunters, right? Like, the Monster Hunter co- story. So you have, like, characters who are, in, you have protagonists who are interconnected and then monsters who are not interconnected. Oh, this is another guilty pleasure movie. The Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Fucking love that movie. <laughs> I find that so entertaining. You know what's funny is that I I had fun watching it. I'm not a huge fan of it. I probably wouldn't go watch it again. I could watch it. But like it's always on on <laughs> sci-fi during like Halloween. I will always watch it. But you know what is one that is in that ballpark that I that I like actually kind of had a lot of fun with, and it's a terrible movie. Is uh uh the uh, Underworld series? No. No. <laughs> Uh, the uh, the Grimm series where it's uh oh brother the uh, uh, brothers Hansel, Gr- and, Hansel and Gretel oh, Hansel and Gretel of witch hunters witch hunters <laughs> that was awesome I love it when he gets like 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 squished by the giant and like so like think of like a tube of toothpaste how you like start at the end and like move it towards oh, that's God. what happens Someone's and it, it explodes <laughs> out of his head because he like squishes him like that <laughs> so it's not like just smash straight up. he like just moves all the pressure to his head and it blows up I love that movie too it's I, and I love silly. the underworld movies <laughs> and we were talking about this we were talking about this in reference to the same idea with like the monster universe uh, was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because mm-hmm. I really enjoy uh, that movie. It's terrible. I, I, as someone who loves the graphic novel, I just wish yeah. they had done anything like the graphic novel. But standalone, if you don't know the graphic yeah. novel, it's a fun yeah, action. That film. was I had never read it. I loved it for what it was. I super enjoyed it. And it's like, yeah, it's bad. There's so oh, many yeah. issues. There's like it. no respect. But like, to I just, actual <laughs> sorts of material for any of the I just characters. enjoyed it so much because it was just it was just a group of like people all with these weird abilities going after like this you know unknown enemy kind of thing all right random question time if you had to have a classic monster like classic monster universe dracula wolfman frankenstein's monster all those things one of them is your roommate and one of them is always trying to kill you who is it like two two different monsters one's a roommate one's always trying to kill you uh, i pick wolfman always trying to kill me because he's not necessarily always trying to kill got me. got it got it and i'd have did i have dracula as my roommate Ooh. I think I think classically. Just I, I'd be up during the day. I'd be sleeping at night. He'd be doing his stuff at night. Like we would. The messes you'd find in the morning that'd be real bad. <laughs> Why is there a bunch of women what? just like laying all over? <laughs> Wolfman. <What>? No, <laughs> stop that. Yeah. That's not cool. Don't make, make me get the squirt bottle. <laughs> get them rolled <laughs> in this paper. Once yeah. <laughs> again, I'd have you know I'd have Dracula watch over me at night. You know while I'm sleeping because that's the only time you'd turn into a wolf. That's- you know. It's- <laughs> Mm. Genius, That's genius. What, <laughs> what would your guys be? Uh, I, I just for classic, just I think just for kind of for laughs, like a sitcom. Me, I'd have Frankenstein be my buddy, and I have yeah. Dracula 
be the one trying to kill me. It's like, I feel like, you like know, he could do it easily. But, but like, he's like, come at you. But you know, like, he's like, he's like trying to like kind of floating like in midair, like not even like as a bat, just kind of like gliding in the air, just like above me. And then Frankenstein's going, like, "What you doing, buddy?" It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, just trying to eat John. And I'm like, uh, uh, Frankenstein's like, eh, no, no, no. You no, can no, at least no, no, reason no, 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 no. With, with Dracula. Hey, hey, tonight you just can't do it. I've had a really please, rough day. He'd be like, please, all right, I get it. Let's maybe tomorrow. Yeah, then you just have goofy fun with Frankenstein's your your lovable simpleton. You know, like good sitcom, good. Yeah, I would have to to go with Frankenstein's monster's roommate because, like, you know, he's not actually the bad guy until people fuck with him, right? Just don't get honest, but see if you, you know, like knock over some juice and spill it on him, he might just rip you. Yeah, that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) Be walking on glass around that guy all the time. Hey, buddy, (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those days, is it? Me too. (laughs) 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 All right, see you. I'll come back later tonight. Bye bye. And I think the monster rival who would be trying to kill me would be uh the the thing uh the creature from the black lagoon um mainly because he's he slow. probably just chills out in the black lagoon all yeah. the time he's so not, i'd he's imagine his element when he's on land you know? i just <laughs> see like the problem would be like i'd be like out on my day and i'd like look into a drain and he'd be like in the drain just like, <laughs> yeah, he'd, be like yeah, he'd be like it he'd be like just come on come down here no, I'm, no, I'm good. good. <laughs> I'm not gonna go down there. Just like whenever I'm down by the river, just like kind of have to like keep a good distance away. Just like his hand pops out of the water. And <coughs> oh, okay, buddy. See you there. <laughs> it's like just like you come home. He's like hiding in the shower. It's like it's a little dry out here. I'm just gonna hang out here. Like, you want to take a shower? You want to come, come on, Rowan? Rowan, come on. He's like come on, he's in the drain shower. of the shower, just looking up at you. This is a little weird, man. I'm not wearing anything right now. <laughs> the other would be like potentially as someone who would be killing me is the mummy. Uh-huh. Depending on which mummy we're talking right. about, because we're talking like old like 60s, 50s mummy where it's super slow. You're like, oh yeah, cool. Just like kind of like push him aside and walk by him. <laughs> just like you know a straight homeless yeah, person on the street is pretty bad in the old stuff like random happenstance yeah. murders you sometimes yeah i guess you know what's funny in the but movie? if it was a new mummy hell, hell no. no no way hold <laughs> on way too much movement way Evil too fast creepy. Mm. Nah, 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 nah. in the movie monster squad uh you know everyone's got these like superpowers and wolfman's wolfman like but like the money at the face of the mummy all one does is grab a bow and, and an arrow and like he just straps some of the mummies like and just, shoots it, and just shoots it out and like that's it that's in the mummy he didn't do anything he was like, <laughs> like wait Wait a minute. <laughs> like, he was there. It's so simple. He was <laughs> hanging out. Oh, you just unraveling. That's kind of the news we've got for today. Would you want to give Peter Jackson another shot at The Hobbit? Hmm. That's a great question. Huh. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I would want him to produce it, but I don't want him to direct it. Okay. I think that I still think it's one of those things I wish I had seen what Del Toro would have done as a director. Totally. Oh, if, it yeah. if it hadn't been in pre-production, how? I forgot that he was attached to it. God, yeah. that's such a bummer. God yeah. damn. Well, and just hearing like how much it was like Del Toro was out and they're like, and he was like, hey, can we have some more time? They're like, no, you got to get it done. And he was like, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And so it just became. There was, there was a lot of pre-production on that was pretty bad. I think he needs a break from that world well i mean like say because obviously they wouldn't do it immediately right. say 10 years down the line if they were like just those three because like for for me those ones like had so, i really 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 liked the first one yeah it had such a high the first one the second one was like oh okay this is interesting and the third one was like huh all right i guess <laughs> yeah i, I mean, didn't like hate it hate it but it was just one of those things where it's like uh, really, I could, you went you went the ways that I was worried about the things you set up. Right, I could have seen two more hours of the Dragon's Fever. Honestly, I loved it. You know, it's like, I, oh, I, what's I, weird? house mirrors like all the time. Which is weird though, because I don't feel like they actually played it up enough to make it make like. No, because yeah, they never talked about Dragon's Fever. <laughs> 
like, I don't know. No. That was, that was just a random thing. Yeah, I Guillermo, God, Guillermo del Toro. Like, those what if, like, what if movies, man? Like, what if, what if. Yeah, uh, there's so many of those for him. What if Tim Burton kept on making the Batman movies? What if, oh, God, what would it, what if, uh, the director Fan uh, Fant Forstick actually made mo- his movie. His movie he wanted of uh, Fantastic Four instead of the studios. The studio taking control of it. And well, that's like an interesting him. thing nowadays. With like we're seeing all of these major blockbuster films being directed by like second time directors who like did oh, a yeah. big like indie breakout and then they get these like giant you know multi million dollar action films right and they've maybe never touched action in their life and it's interesting because it's a weird model and i was wondering why were producers doing this right why were the the studios doing this and i think really because you get the name of the director who's hot on the hot list right now right who does have chops, but they're also not cemented enough and ha- don't have a strong enough foothold in the filmmaking community yeah. where the producers can tell them, no, you're going to do it like this. Like, yeah, like, well, like, like uh, you know, they're sort of puppet directors, uh, Colin, it feels like. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, like, he left, you know, quotation mark, left uh, uh, Star Wars 9. You know, right. like, it's like, you know, he, he, he doesn't have a lot of films under his belt. He has some famous ones like Jurassic World, obviously, and Safety Not Guaranteed. But it's like, yeah, it's a little weird that you handed him Star Wars 9, like the well, last even, in this I even just trilogy. looked up, like, Ryan Johnson's still kind of a weird one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. He, like, especially I mean, when you think of, like, Brick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> watching that, you know, like, Looper, uh, Brothers Bloom, or other movies, like, famous ones that he's done. It's like, thinking about, like, you picked that guy for a Star Wars movie? That's just an interesting, yeah, an I think, interesting, like, side. Uh, uh, yeah, like, this guy that did a, a weird vomit puppet show movie? Uh, oh, we're gonna give him Lord of the Rings. Hey, 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 hey money making, making money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Take granted, chances, you, know? <laughs> you know, Peter Jackson pitched that movie for 10 years before oh, really? Lady Bennett. And he, like, because he was a nobody. But eventually, New Lines was like, we actually like your pitch. Like, you are selling us on your vision, so you can do it. It was super funny because he pitched it to them. And you're like, yeah, uh, we, we can do it in two movies. And then they, like, looked at him, and there was, like, some silence. And then one of the producers, I forget which one it was, looked up and goes, but it's three books. Let's make three <laughs> movies. And that's how he got it. And they were like, no, we want to do all three movies. Nice. Like, I just imagine a chalkboard that said two movies. And then, <laughs> and then Fear Jackson got up and... Just put down like another line. Three movies. Oh my god, yeah. the genius, <laughs> genius. Well, and it's it's interesting, like thinking about Jerry Bruckheimer is not the right name, but that's the only name that's in my head right now. Oh, Bad Robot. Um, of uh, Star Wars. Last Star Wars episode. Star Wars. What's that guy's? What's that guy's the name? Director? The director. J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams. Abrams. Oh. Like, it was one of those things, like, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, ever, ever, after having seen, you know, like, when you look oh, like, yeah. Lost, you know, look at the things, like, all the sci-fi stuff that they'd done. Yeah. He did Star Trek. Like, he literally did, like, the opposite, you know, like, a big right. space opera, like, you know, space movie recently. It's like, oh, that makes sense. And then, like, it, just with Ryan Johnson, that was when I was like, huh, all right. I mean, like, Looper was interesting. Like, that was cool. <laughs> and then, like, with Colin Trevorrow, it was like, I, he made a huge blockbuster movie with jurassic world like all right i get it it's just like it's just less and less seems like you have the actual like pedigree for that style of movie versus where you know jj abrams came from i mean granted you know i think the the issue that we're seeing is that it used to be that directors built up their portfolio over years and there was a lot more new ips right like every year there was new films so directors could build their pedigree because they had a bunch of different things under their belts but now because we're just doing you know remakes sequels and so forth to bring new blood into the stream 
they have to pull these directors who have like these like kind of one hit wonders. Yeah. No, I won't say one hit wonders because these directors are actually quite talented. Totally. But just interesting that it also feels like they're not given the chance to direct or not. That's not true either. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, it do you feels think it's like, less control of like the directors than we think of like uh, Tarantino, where it's like they literally do everything, or like the Coen Brothers, where <clears> they do everything. It's more the actual like definition of what a director is, where they're just working with the actors and kind of like the creative side, where they're in less control because there's especially you know we talk about Disney. They're there's, you know, this overarching, this is what it's going to be. Right. You get to have this little piece of the pie. I think thing. that, you know, I think that's, you know, very much to classic directors, like they're in charge of the what shots are going to be made. They get to choose the sort of general style. They get to work with the actors. Um, they're, you know, they're really in charge of the creative flow of it. But I think that the producers in the studios have a certain like branding that they have to adhere to. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes it hard for them to bring any new flavor to it. Yeah. You know? It's like TV shows almost. <clears throat> right. Where it's like you have directors on an episode of a TV show, but really the producers are controlling the through line of the whole show. Right. And so it's interesting because it feels like that allows for the studios to have like a fresh name, someone who's skilled, but also someone who's easily enough that they can sort of like keep their brand controlled yeah. without taking too much of a risk. I think it kind of goes along with what we were talking about earlier with um, – like Disney and like their blockbusters where it's like they can have a movie like Doctor Strange throw in a director that they want to see how he's going to do because they know that that movie's maybe not going to do, you know, right. gangbusters. It's going to do fine. And if it does more than expected, they're like, all right, and then they keep that name. Yeah. Like James Gunn with Guardian of the Galaxy. Like, exactly. Because they are so confident with everything they have because like even if this does bad, we've got this major like this for sure coming down the line. Right. Because you have like when you have Infinity War, when you had Avengers, like you had these big directors and then you have like other smaller ones for the other movies and also notice that a lot of those big directors aren't sticking around because no, yeah. they're not given the the space to breathe and do their own thing right yeah. like you know whedon's gone now um and then he's, he's on a dc where it's just like come on man <laughs> come on <laughs> buddy uh, get off the ship man it's well hell down. like the, the russo brothers Edgar. the russo brothers are doing the the, the infinity war movies and right. only because that uh, Winter Soldier was such a big hit, like right. that, which no one expected. No yeah, one expected exactly. Yeah, yeah. They were given a chance at that. No one was like, really expecting much from it, and then yeah. became a really well. You know, in my opinion, still, I think one of the best ones. I think that one of the best ones yeah. for sure. No, it is. Yeah. And then like Edgar Maybe Wright, you know, leaving Ant Man just because yeah. they wouldn't let him yeah. do be Edgar Wright, yeah. like, which is so disappointing. So disappointing. So disappointing. You can see it all oh, over that movie. Yeah. yeah. No, or, or like, or even the like, ghost of him is everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, which is like funny because like Baby Driver is like a strange like it's like you know Ant Man was it was essentially supposed to be a, a heist film, mm-hmm. and then yeah, like you have Driver Baby is. Driver, you know Ed Wright's next film, it's a heist film. It's like is this like a, a movie made from frustration that he didn't get to well, finish his I first? Think he, his last he's movie? been wanting to do a heist film for a while, which is like it's just a, it's just a bummer because I I personally wasn't a big fan of Baby Driver, mm-hmm. but like what you see from Ant Man and like you know this has. Edgar Wright's touch on it, his like leftover fingerprints. So it's like, oh, you just was not edited the way Edgar Wright would have edited. It. So it's like, ah, this is just a yeah, exactly. A, There's a lot a of like the if, ideas, but just not <laughs> cut correctly. Yeah, like you can just see like the scenes that he wrote, but they like just kept, and then it just doesn't play off like it would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's just such a bummer with that. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see with these because like with the Colin Trevorrow thing, it was apparently like he was starting to get like a big head. Oh, right. That's oh, what, like that's what he was, was he fired or did he leave? What's, they were what's, saying what's the it word? started with him kind of getting a big head and kind of trying to strong arm people into doing things. And they were like, mm, this isn't going to start that's working weird. out. Yeah. That's super weird. That's what's kind of come from it. And that's just, you know, here to say there's no official report on that, but that's what people are yeah. saying that it kind of became 
got too big for his britches kind but of who thing. knows who, who knows you know? yeah it's hard to say it's one of those things where it's i don't think they would just get rid of him you know for no reason like yeah. there's definitely a reason like and from everything it sounds like you know he hasn't come out and it doesn't sound like it's creative differences as far as like like the same kind of thing with like eddie wright leaving mm. yeah man like it sounds more of like a personal thing yeah than anything just based on like just based on like what you can glean from the information that's out there currently yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how this kind of you know more tv-esque approach in these big franchises goes with directors being there but not maybe as integral as when you think of directors like tarantino and think of you know like no uh christopher nolan stuff like that where it's like those people like they are doing everything like coen brothers they are doing everything they're not letting the producers do anything like because they also have earned the faith to be able to do whatever they want so i think it's it's always an interesting like you know you have um action reaction like you know the action being like these big name directors and then if they have one fail it's like man you can't rely like you know the you know uh hollywood reacting like oh we can't just rely on directors anymore well, if we build this thing where the directors really don't matter, then we can not have to worry about that as much, and then it won't become that big of a thing. I, I don't know if the directors don't matter. I think that's, well, I'm not saying that's they don't matter. Statement, I'm, but. I, but in the very grand term of like, they're replaceable. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, Coen Brothers are not replaceable. You can't right. make a you know, but also from without them. I don't think Coen Brothers have ever been hired by anyone because they hire themselves, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but and, well, and that's the same thing like with Tarantino. It's like these self-made directors, right? And I think it's just like if you bet on them, like you know, you even take Peter Jackson with you know the Hobbit, like he, they bet on him, you know, to hopefully do something good with the first Lord of the Rings, killed it, mm-hmm. you know. And then he had King Kong, which was like, what a weird movie, <laughs> like, and just throughout the years, kind of like built this weird. And he had obviously the big lawsuit with New Line for right. the, you know money for Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. And he comes out of the Hobbit, and they you know put him under more constraints. And he doesn't make as good of a movie and people, you know, look at like, oh, Peter Jackson's going crazy when it's like, when you look at it, it's not not all his fault. Like ships aren't run by one person. Exactly. But, you know, it's like the studio blames him for it kind of thing. Like, well, I mean, I mean, to be fair, like that's one of the risks as being a director is that you are the face. Totally. Right. Like you're the scapegoat. You are the scapegoat. Whether the ship succeeds or the ship fails, you're the one that gets to go down or succeed with it. But I think that's the interesting thing when you think of the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies. I don't like the J.J. Abrams thing was a really big deal because it was like he didn't start. But I think people are less interested because they had those good movies who the directors of the next ones are. Right. Like I don't think a lot of people, at least when I I think anyone knows who Ryan Johnson is besides Looper. Right. And if they know that. Well, I mean, unless they like their film bus. And that's what I'm saying. If they don't know he did Looper, they don't know anything he's done. Right. That's the kind of thing. I love his movies. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, he does good movies. And I think that's interesting because like, whereas like you knew, I actually don't even know because Lucas didn't do it. Strikes back. Uh I don't even know who that director's name is. That one uh, hit wonder guy. Because, you know, he's applauded as really the one who made Empire, what in a lot of people's minds are the best Star Wars movie. Right. Like Irvin Kirshner. Irvin, Irvin Kirshner, Kirshner yeah. yeah. So, and then you think of, like, the Marvel movies, it's like, yeah, I know Joss Whedon did it. He did one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, and I know John Favreau did the first two Iron Man movies. Yeah. But that's just because, like, he's a funny guy. Like, I just know John Favreau. Like, <laughs> hey, there he is. He put himself in his own movie kind of thing. Like, right. If he wasn't in those movies, I probably wouldn't even know that he did them. I mean, most... Mo- I- you know, when I talk to my friends who are not like in the film stuff, like they don't know who is 
directing any of these films. They yeah. only know the, who's starring in them. Exactly. Right? And they know it's Disney is the, like the faces of the like creative forces behind it are sort of washed away to give room for the the faces of the characters more. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's an interesting choice because also, but that's the thing is like those films feel so similar because they're using such a cookie cutter yeah, exactly. approach to the films that you could almost switch out like at this point you could put you know you could switch out the actors almost and it like say for yeah. some roles i know what you mean though. but like yeah. but the point is like you could switch out the actors and you'd still have a marvel movie they have the formula down pat yeah. like yeah. and there's some very formulaic films like you put any of them next to each other they're like minute for minute yeah. are like the same plot structures they still sell and they're still fun to watch totally yeah well, and then you have those, like, ones that try something a little different. So you can kind of see them exercising at least a little bit of, you know, changing things up with each of the movies just in small ways. So it's just, you know, interesting to see that and see what works, you know, with, like, Guardians of the Galaxy being more, like, you know, using a soundtrack that's all songs. Yeah, well, and people known, really yeah, applauding well, Guardians of the Galaxy for its soundtrack, whereas no one's ever talked about any other Marvel oh, sound There's nothing ever. to talk about. You know, <laughs> so it's just interesting. And then, you know, you see... Uh, Thor Ragnarok using a really like at least with the trailers mm, yeah. much more like you know getting into like the music and like giving trailers that like the music fits what's going on and getting people psyched just that like second like the first official trailer for Thor Ragnarok I was like oh yeah I'm ready like this is so cool well, with like the 80s like yeah. 80s metallic title and everything yeah, like, like oh, this is cool like I like this they're they're styling it up a little bit to right. make them at least a little different from each other versus just like big metal text you know right. like because that's what they were forever so it's cool to see them at least trying some things within it it's like obviously they're going to keep going with they know it makes money but at least they are in some ways trying to see what works in trying and that's what I think happened with Ant-Man I don't think they could have made an Edgar Wright film Ant-Man I think they saw it and were like, oh, no, this is too different. You know what I mean? Like, it in my mind, I can almost guarantee it would have been incredible, but it might not have fit, it, fit their brand right. completely. So I think that's why they kind of, like, pivoted and been like, we can keep some of this stuff because this is on brand, but we have to get rid of some of this other stuff. It was stuff. like while he left is they, they shoehorned in a lot of scenes to connect it to the greater universe. Yeah, right? exactly. Like the whole, like, breaking into the Avengers base was not in the Yeah, it wasn't script. a part of it. It was just supposed yeah, to be was, some random. Yeah. Well, that's, like, that's like, you know, like with John Favreau, you can totally see it in Iron Man. Too the, his frustration when he just like shoes in uh, Agent Coulson right. in weird, really weird scenes, and we're like, like the one scene where he's like, Iron Man's got the montage for the climax. He's gonna make his new armor and stuff like that. Austin, Austin, Agent Coulson shows up. Right. What? Like, wait, no, you're, you're killing this. You're killing this montage. Like, he's having a moment. He just like, and like, no, no, no. We gotta talk about this uh, whole thing. Initiative. Talk about Avengers still and all that. All right, cool. Montage continues. Like, oh, okay. This man's frustrated. <laughs> like this man. This man's a little teed. <laughs> or like all of Age of Ultron. Just like all right. the plot hooks that they threw in there that were just like totally real bad. Well, and like you can see you can see the difference between <laughs> oh, first Avengers, second Avengers subplot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we can use this plot for the rest of the movies. That's why everyone hates the Avengers. <laughs> like yes. it, it can, it'll make so much money. We can just basically treat it as a throwaway film. I guess. <laughs> like, I, I, I suppose. Sure. Sure. It's weird because it feels like that. Like I remember so much hype going up to it, and then it just like it's one of those so forgettable movies. Now. It's so boring. Like yeah, it's so interesting how that like and the whole big deal of like Quicksilver and like Scarlet Witch being like ah this is the first time we've been building up these characters for like three movies now with these end credit sequences like ah yeah 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 and it's like yeah no it didn't really amount to much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all it amounted to was, we got Vision, we got Scarlet Witch, and the team. 
Cool. I felt- Let's move on to uh, Winter Soldier or uh, no, no, Civil War. So uh, right. get the actual Avengers too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that was even interesting with them dealing with the idea of like no big fight at the end with like a villain. Right. Which I thought was interesting. And people, I don't think really like that at all. There being no big bad to fight. Well, it was just like the first, first time one. I watched it. It was just like the first one. It was just like them fighting a giant army of things and them just fighting a giant army of robots at the end. So it's like, no, there's nothing different here. Right. It's absolutely nothing different here, action-wise, than the first one. Wait, what are you talking about? Civil War. Civil oh, War. Oh, you guys are talking about Civil War? I thought we were talking Avengers too. No. Yeah, all right. No, there's a big, they have fucking Ultra. You know? Yeah, yeah kind of. I'm talking about, like, is Civil War because, like, the guy who's a bad guy, you're like, Billy, I'm just, oh, he's going to basically just fight, like, three Supermen. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you have these, you know, Winter Soldiers. That's what they're going to fight. And then they were all dead because, like, the dude was like, no. No. These, right. you, these are all bad. Like, you guys don't understand. And it was, you know, it was, like, a more internal conflict. But I thought that was interesting. Like, the bad guy was just, like, a bad guy. Like, he right. wasn't just, just, like, tyrannical, just, like, evil mass that became, you know, like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that was such a good villain for the fact that, like, he actually, that was one of the few times where we were like, oh, wait, these characters have depth? Yeah, right. Yeah. There's conflict well, and, there was, <laughs> and that's, that's what, like, for me was worrisome, because I don't think a lot of people really liked that that much. Uh, they just wanted to see Captain America and, you know, everyone fight each other. Like, everyone's fighting each other. But, like, because I didn't appreciate it the first time I watched it. When I rewatched it, I was like, oh, yeah, I actually really like this villain because uh-huh. he's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, he's super, he, he seems and is very powerful throughout the whole movie. And at the very end, he's just powerless because he, he got what he wanted done, basically. Like, he right. won. So it's just like, oh. <laughs> all right <laughs> so it's just like I, in my mind more interesting to me than a lot of the other villains yeah. like ultron is like cool classic robot who thinks that humanity's stupid like i get it, Ugh, it didn't feel but even like dr strange like the one um what's that guy what's that actor's name who was the bad guy in mad mickelson yeah like what a guy's such a weird dude like he always is so strange you're like he just he just wanted to be evil it's like yeah i guess it's like it's like like the villain from thor which is such a letdown for doctor strange villains because they have such potential to be like weird villains yeah it's like with weird philosophical stances yeah Yeah. and then yeah the what would they call him uh i don't remember his name but it was played by uh, christopher eccleston it was like in thor 2 it's like yeah what like like fuck if i care about what his whole deal was like he's evil like yeah whatever right. uh uh what the well, bad even, guy in uh, guardians of the galaxy yeah, but yeah bad guy in the galaxy. super uninteresting like so i just want to be stronger so i can destroy people cool solid man yeah. like and they're like hey we'll have him be a bad guy guess what he's got scenes with thanos thanos is coming yeah no i mean that's true like we got it <laughs> wait thanos is still a thing i thought yeah, we- <laughs> i know right jeez yeah, I think I think it's interesting the way that movies are going and how it, it seems to me like they're moving away from or moving more towards setting up franchises where they don't need the directors where they because, you know, you had for I feel like a long time movies being sold based on the directors and based on the previous movies they've done. Whereas now you've set up series that transcend almost anything bef- of what the directors have done before that anyways. Right. Because, you know, like looking at all the movies, it's like, you know, no one really knew who wonder woman's director was they knew that it was a woman director because that was a big part of it but they knew that it was dc and it was wonder woman but you still had dunkirk being sold that it was christopher nolan right Mm -hmm. that was the only movie that was being sold by the director who it was yeah yeah i mean like so I just I just find that interesting. In those large in those large IPs, we were we're transcending because names. they're kind of a new thing because yeah. they haven't really been around. Mm. Like everybody, you know, 
they're becoming less thing because like the last like large ips we had were harry potter and lord of the rings right and we know who did all of lord of the rings and we know what's the something that was like Christmas's did the first three Harry Potters. Yeah, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, Col- uh, Christopher Columbus, Christopher Columbus, not, Chris, not Christopher, yeah. Christopher is Columbus. It, is it really Christopher? Yeah. And then uh, I'm trying to remember the guy who did the last four. Yeah, because like uh, people started to know who that guy was, and yeah. people who like Harry Potter definitely probably know. I just don't know off the top of my head. Um, so it's just interesting that even you know those are like what were the franchises we knew growing up. And now what they are. <laughs> just type Christopher Columbus. Of course you're going to get Christopher Columbus. That can't Columbus. be right. That can't be right. It's like, it's like, it's of course you're going to get Christopher Columbus. If you Columbus. type in Chris Columbus, you'll get him. <laughs> That's it. Like, wait a minute. No, no. Saliba isn't quite right. It's not Christopher Columbus. That's his name. Well, I mean, that's, that's I mean, his name. It is, like, I don't I don't, <laughs> I just don't ever, believe you. I just don't David ever Yates sing, did the last one. Christopher Yates. Columbus on the title section. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, but those, like, you kind of at least knew the directors a little bit more. And it was a big deal when Chris Columbus wasn't doing them anymore. And then when right. they moved to this other guy. Fun fun Harry Potter fact. Uh, for the, When they were first starting to develop those films, the director that they wanted to do it was Terry Gilliam. Yeah, yeah. That would have been really interesting really weird and i would have loved it but i think it just would have been a level of creepy what the problem would have been that it wouldn't have gotten past the first movie yeah (laughs) like we wouldn't have got a series out of it yeah, just regardless. And on some sort of weird, like kind of yeah. sad, like and it would have it would have either been like we it like but we would have got no more, or they would have just started over and done another episode. Right. Like you know, the well, first the funny thing is, is that was Rowling's first choice. It makes sense. It makes oh, total yeah. sense. Oh, yeah. like, like magical realism, that so, guy's got a down pack. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if you think of like, if I was like, who would be like, oh. if you knew that they would do it and finish it, and make it good, who would you want to do Harry Potter? Like Terry Gilliam would be up there. But I just don't believe that he can do like act like his, you mean do hollywood movies yeah, no he can't his, do hollywood movies his creative movies. process doesn't honestly make sense for like cinema in general right like <laughs> he shouldn't like he has to make some own his own kind of video art form because like cinema just doesn't work the way it's built will not work for his brain and now and we go to the quidditch scene which is just a paper cut out animation <laughs> yeah, yeah right exactly. it would have been some weird like hand drawn and like water color like oh, what's happening <laughs> yeah it, like conceptually yeah that sounds great when i like just hear it but the more and more i think about it the more i'm like no that's a terrible idea <laughs> uh, come on i would i still would have bought it <laughs> i would have bought it I, but the problem is we wouldn't have gotten more yeah, of yeah. it that's fair that's <laughs> like, totally fair it, like sure like because you know it's it's he probably would have given us better one a better first movie uh-huh but at just what cost? Because yeah. <laughs> like, we wouldn't cost? have gotten. Because you know, like Harry Potter definitely like steeps very just, slantly upward as far as like quality from right. the well, first. Like, well, to the when last. you get to, when you get to Prisoner of Azkaban by Alfonso Cuarón, like yeah. it's like I, like that was like that was, like super dark visual style, and it was like wait a minute, hold on, something's up. Something's up right here. Everything's <laughs> what, so, something's the different. Yeah. Where would all the color go? <laughs> When you also like you have the maturity of the actors as well yeah. too. Like it's so funny hearing about like all the concessions they had to do of like just just look over here when like in scenes because they just would get so bored all the time. Like come on guys, you are guys are in Harry Potter. Like just act for a second. Like, <laughs> Here's a puppy. Here's a puppy. Yeah, exactly. Like look over here. Like just, yeah, just so funny. Could you just? I'm, I'm trying to imagine Terry Gilliam's like Professor Quill, just like with Voldemort's like on the back of his head, just like <laughs> it's how just Terry Gilliam's just face just, on the back of his just like head. awfully, like just like nightmare inducing. It just like looks like a, looks like the alien from uh, Total Recall. It's like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> Harry, start the reactor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I think I think it'll be interesting to see what's going on with directors and stuff. I'm excited about all the Disney stuff. Like they've built up enough like goodwill. I feel like at this point that I'll trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So this week on movies you should try. This is a film that could, you know, again with all these films, you know, take them or leave them. Some of these are going to work for some people. Some of them are going to work for others, right? Uh, with all the new Viking stuff that is like really in popular culture right now, the one movie that I just you gotta try at some point is Thirteenth Warrior. Okay. Um, <laughs> like historical <laughs> accuracy out direction. the window, out the window. But it's not exactly trying to be necessarily well, historical. Sort of, yeah, accurate. but like you know, you have like Vikings with like conquistador helmets at one point. And oh, really? Yeah, it's like you just notice small details like that. But like, honestly, most Viking de- depictions, whenever they have horns, it's like, all right, it's already inaccurate because people don't like right. actually listen to what Vikings actually were. But like, as a that film's pacing of like the buildup of like it's starting off as a thriller, sort of horror. Mm-hmm. It has a very like seven samurai element to yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it takes so many nods. From, like rewatching Seven Samurai the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, Thirteenth Warrior is just like all just like it's Viking. Super tries. It's super tries. Super tries to be a Kirikusama movie. Yeah, and you know, just there, there's some elements of it that fall flat i'll give it that but like that i'm still quoting that movie to this day how <laughs> like what is there to possibly quote for that movie it's so long and so dry like i just like it's like it's one of those things like i keep thinking i like that movie but i think harder i, I don't why do i do that i've only seen it like two times maybe at most. for 13th warrior yeah <laughs> I, I mean the action sequences are fun um i thought the horror element i like i like creepy so there's all the creepy stuff was great i thought that like you know so for those who haven't seen it 13th warrior is about a arab who has been exiled from his kingdom um for having an illicit affair and he ends up running into a viking camp um and he gets sort of by a local mystic shaman he gets sort of conscripted to join a band of warriors who have to go fight this terror that's occurring back in their homeland and they arrive to this village um, and this holdfast that is under siege from an unknowable horror that has been pestering them for like throughout generations. Like this is a terror that keeps resurging itself. And uh, you sort of like follow this journey of this Arab as he starts to learn all the Vikings. And really the story is about a Viking by the name of Bulvai who is sort of like this promised king. And this is his first real like return to his homelands. And you see the story through this Arab's eyes and it's a good like, you know, the seeing the characters develop is really cool like you get to really like i like cause some of the characters some of them are not written really well like i'll give you that like some are like who, who, who viking number two yeah viking, <laughs> viking number no- three it's like i thought you were viking number four <laughs> um but good battle sequences um and you know like if you're looking for a fun viking action film with a bit of horror element and mystery i'd say give it a try do you have one because i have one i i do uh okay. i brought it up earlier Monster Squad. <laughs> since Too these sure. guys, since these sure. guys haven't seen it, uh, yeah. So basic premise: uh, all the horror movie monsters are real in their classic garb. Uh, they decide that like hundreds of years ago, they uh, they were attacked by Van Helsing before they uh, brought on the end of the world. Uh, they're back. Uh, Frankenstein's a cool guy. Wolfman's kind of cool guy. Everyone else is a monster. And then you have the kids from the Sandlot working together to fight them. And it's is really the actual kids fun. From the no, no, no. Oh, okay, like, okay. Basically, basically. Like, what? Like, like and so like these kids who just like are super horror movie buffs that like they just they just realize 
Oh, hey, I think Dracula's moving into town. Oh, hey, I think he brought in the other monsters. Oh my God, people are dying. Oh my God, we gotta stop him. And it's super fun. It's super fun because like you just like all these like childish things are like, oh man, how do we beat the werewolf? We can use a nuclear bomb. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we gotta use silver. All right, well, one of us is a high schooler and can make uh, something in shop. You know, it's like, so it's just like really cute, uh, cute uh, homemade ways of like how to beat monsters. And it's just, it's just so weird because it's, it's, it's a weird blend of horror. It's a weird, uh, weird blend of action adventure. And it just, it, it's just a lot of fun because the kids are actually really entertaining to watch. You can actually watch on Hulu. We actually just got back on Hulu uh, earlier this week. Uh, I'm going to be watching it uh, for the oncoming Halloween season. I think you guys should too. It's a really fun watch. Uh, so my pick this week is The Boy and the Beast. Ooh. Oh. Um, this is an anime movie. So animated, you know, people can take what they are. But uh, I saw this in theaters I guess it was like a year and a half ago. Um, it's by um, the most famous thing the director's done is the Digimon movie. Um, <laughs> he's done a bunch of other things. Like if you know, if you watch anime, uh, Wolf Children and then The Girl Who Leapt Through Time are kind of his two big ones that he's done. Um, I th- this this is a really cool like coming of age story where you've got basically these two sides of the world. There's like this beast world that's kind of like the more spiritual side, and then you've got the human world, which is the more like you know just like analytical like work side like people are just passing through and like the beasts can kind of go back and forth because they basically have control over when they can leave and when they can come back and humans aren't allowed in the beast world because they're seen as they have like darkness in their hearts is kind of like you know some of the basis for it but i went and saw this movie because just animation wise looked really cool and the story is kind of it's coming of age it's this kid basically gets taken in by this um master of martial arts who is trying to basically bid to become the next kind of leader of the beast world. But he's definitely like not the leader you would expect. He's super rough around the edges. And then he has kind of his competitor who's, you know, the typical, you know, heir of like a leader. And so they basically build up to like, they have to have this fight to see who will become the leader of the beast world. And it's really interesting because it's, you think of it as like, oh, this, you know, kid is learning from this guy when really it kind of flips it on its head where, you know, a portion of the way through the movie, like the kid has learned everything he's going to learn and he has to teach his master how to, you know, be a master kind of thing. Like he's a really good martial artist, but the kid actually shows him how to be better and how to like not just fight with brute force, but fight by like thinking and stuff like that. It's awesome. The animation is incredible. Um, and the story is really cool. It kind of takes like turns you'd never think it would take. <laughs> like halfway through the movie it kind of becomes a different movie yeah. but it's really cool and the story is really awesome um and i just think what's cool about it is i've watched both the dubbed version and the sub version both are awesome either way you watch it if you don't want to have to read the subtitles the um, dubbed version is really good as well that's always important yeah especially i think it's super age. important especially yeah because a lot of people don't want to watch subbed anime which is fine i get it this is definitely a movie where i liked watching the dub version because it allows me really to focus on like what it looks like because it's really really well animated and the couple of fight scenes that are in it are super cool and the story is just really good but that's what i would recommend so last week we talked about that we were going to start playing um, some story games and talking about it so um what we're going to be talking about is the first episode of tales from the borderlands called zero sum um we all played that this last week and um, we're going to kind of discuss what choices we made where we think the story is going and kind of play it and make decisions and talk about it as we play it so some info on it it's um, a game by telltale games which um, telltale has been around for a long time but really became popular with the walking dead series 
um, is kind of what put them on the map and they've made a lot of story-based games um, since then. Give you kind of background, a lot of the gameplay is mostly cinematics where you get to make choices every once in a while. Uh, most of the choices are timed, so it's not like you just sit there and like figure out which way you want to play it. And all of the choices have some kind of meaning later on down the line where you either will help someone this time and next time because you helped them, they'll help you or the reverse where you didn't help them they'll make that decision. Um, so it's really cool in those regards. Um, what's cool about this story is you actually have two sides to it. Uh, yeah, so you have Reese played by Troy Baker and you have Fiona played by- Laura Bailey. Yeah, Laura Bailey. And so it's cool. There's actually a lot of like, for me, I recognize a lot of the actors and especially like right, the, right off the bat, like Troy Baker, I was like, oh, cool. All right, this is cool. I'm already in it. <laughs> like, um, And you, you know, meet other characters. Um, yeah, you have Chris Hardwick uh, of Nerdist. He is in this as well. He plays um, Vaughn, Reese's like best friend. The first episode, I wasn't a huge fan of. Really? Yeah. It was one of the first times that I like absolutely was like was laughing during a Telltale game. Like, well, I mean, yeah, Loaderbot is like the best. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Loaderbot definitely was the part that really got me to laugh. Well, and then having kind of your main as Reese, your main conflict is with Vasquez, who's Patrick Warburton, which right. his voice is always incredible, regardless. Like it just makes me think of every you know version of him he's been. But yeah, I mean, Loaderbot was by far the best. Oh, so good. And just and just a frame of reference, uh, Loaderbot, you can you can set up the first time you meet Loaderbot, you can set up how he uses his weapons. Yeah. yeah so what, can, did you, what did you set up? Uh, it was the missile launcher and uh, the machine gun, I believe. Okay. Oh, that's all attack. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess this is another thing we can talk about. Like, for me, um, looking at the two characters, I play Reese as kind of like, for me, I chose a lot of decisions that it's like, hey, it's us. It's not me. It's like us as a group. So, like, for me, he's a very kind of like, he wants everyone to succeed over maybe his own kind of thing. Kind of like, he's more altruistic kind of a character. And I'm playing my Fiona as much more of kind of like Selena Kyle, where it's like, it's her, like, and then no one else. Right. So every decision she makes is very selfish in her own thing. So for me, when I was playing Reese, I was like, I don't want people to die. So I chose the shield and the grenades. Uh -huh. I was like oh, it won't be a big deal. Like, he'll just, you know, block the shield and all this kind of stuff. And John did the same thing. And then I did the same thing because... For different reasons. For but different then, reasons. But the funny part is, like, at one point, he, like, shoots up straight into the air and does, like, a dive bomb yeah. with a yeah. shield on him. And I was everybody. like, ha, huh, all right. Okay, this one's a little bit different than maybe I was thinking it was going to go. <laughs> well, because I, I, I did it because I, I expected Loaderbot just to help help my characters get away versus, like, actually, like... Murdering. Yeah, murder them. Like, it's like, no. it's like uh... That's, not, that's one of the problems about this game that I have is that it doesn't go quite the way the choices make you think they're gonna go that's like every telltale game i know now. but like it's just it's just like and i just hate that that's just, that just that like somewhere. a criticism for the whole thing but yeah there's a couple times where it's like or it like shoehorns you into picking certain things sure yeah. um i mean yeah i mean to be fair like we can't have infinite possibilities no i totally and get that i think that one thing that has helped me get over that that qualm with telltale games is that the characters are not empty sockets right no, you no. can't you can't go into this game and go I'm going to play this person like how I want to play them. Really, like, the characters are pre-written. It's just how you want their – it's how you, you get, like, you get one to interpret side of them. To yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, like, for me, like, I know that I can basically either make him be all about himself or about the group. And right. so for me, I was like, I'm going to pick the group side of it. And then kind of thought about that when I'm making decisions. Like, there was a couple times where when I was playing as Fiona, where I would choose decisions based on, like, does this help multiple people or just me? If it's just me picking that decision, like, right. that's what she's picking. Where it almost doesn't become, like, me making a choice, but it's, like, what she would pick because of who i've picked her that's kind of how i've been picking things for me like with this game in particular compared to some of the other telltale games like i found most enjoyment when i was kind of stepping back and acting like i was a director right yeah. I, the characters mm -hmm. were pre-written yeah. the plot was pre-written i was just getting to put 
my choice of how I wanted the story to play mm-hmm. yeah. to the audience. And I knew that, you know, I didn't have full, like, you know, a lot of the choices are sort of like hidden choices or like kind of fake choices in some of the Telltale games. But I, I totally bought into a lot of that in this one. And I thought like Loaderbot sequence, like that was the first time That's they great. had in a long time on a Telltale game where I was like, this is like a really fun action scene. I'm assuming you didn't, uh, you didn't make Loaderbot uh, self-destruct? No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, of course, because he's the best character. Like, do it yourself. You stay alive, Go! Loaderbot. Go! We need you. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I was like, to protect Loaderbot, he's like, my like, number one character like, right Why now. would you? Why would anyone, like, make you destroy, like, Loaderbot? Like, like yeah. even, because even, like, even though if, even if you try playing Reese, like, super antagonistically yeah uh, you're so like, bad whenever I try to give you things about you, it's like, like it's like one of those things like no Loaderbot has like use to, right. to you as alive versus like dead like I just I just don't see it yeah well and it's well, stepping back from I want to talk about you know like the choice you have but before that I think what's really cool about just the intro of the game is it really sets up what I think is really true to the world of Borderlands mm. The very like dog eat dog with like mm-hmm. where it starts on the planet as they're landing and it's like the skag eating the thing and then the skag's eating and it's like everything fighting each other. It's like this really good version of like dog eat dog. Like it just shows you like, hey, this like down here, it's the Wild West kind of thing. Yeah. I think they do a really good job of like setting up the world because for me, I played a little bit of Borderlands 1 and like a little bit of Borderlands 2. I've never been super interested in those games, but the world has always been interesting because they do a really good job of like creating these like larger than life characters that you get to play these games with. So for me, like not knowing a ton about Borderlands, like just seeing no knowing the trailers they have and playing the what i have i was like they did a really good job of like taking a completely different genre of game and making it feel like it's in the same world because i feel like that's a pitfall that you can have with any of these games that are also in a different genre Mm -hmm. like if you don't do it right it feels weird yeah um oh yeah yeah i I was i was super hesitant about this game because it felt weird to do a telltale game based in another game's world yeah and so i was really hesitant (laughs) when i first heard about Telltale game based in a like first person action like loot like (laughs) game yeah exactly so i was really hesitant when i heard about it and i was really pleasantly surprised by the way they built the humor of the world well that's 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 one of those easy things because the game the uh, the borderland series is pretty humorous right like even if you're not a fan of shooters you can enter Tain yourself just by walking around yeah. while all the jokes are just happening either on screen or aud- uh, audibly. Um, God, it's such a great. I really like. I'm really. I really want to finish this game series like really bad. It's just so funny. It's so goddamn funny. <laughs> I'm enjoying the characters more. Like at first, so because like the story starts with basically the only thing that I don't like about it is that it's like a whole flashback, like mm, the yeah. whole thing's flashback. I do like that it is a flashback. It's, it's interesting but because you don't know who who this person is. Right. It's a uh, it's a it's an untrustworthy narrator. Right. Yeah. So you don't you're sort of left wondering how much of this is true, how much of it isn't. Yeah. Um, but kind of like breaking down some of the choices. Grabbed August's hand. It's when it's when you uh, decide whether or not you want to trust August. When when Fiona's like first meeting August mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. Uh, oh, like he, he, touch, just, he touches he just, the thing and it's wet. The paint's still wet on it. Well, like he just murdered that one guy. Well, no, see when he touches the. I'm assuming that's what it is. When he touches. Oh the thing right, and he right. When he's trying to touch the touch the, the, the <laughs> I just the was key. like I was like hold hold <laughs> maybe I was like maybe he won't touch it. No, he touched it. Oh no, he's because I let him touch it. 
Oh, really? Yeah. And he, he gets paint on his fingers, but he doesn't notice it. And then he, like, wipes his brow and gets paint on his face. And <laughs> oh, like, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so great. That's okay. I, I, I play Fiona, like, really, uh, I play her more altruistically and, like, a little bit more skittish. Because, uh-huh. like, and, and so, like, I, uh, yeah, I, like, I like, cool, confident, as, fuck everyone else. As soon as he tried reaching for the, the fake key, I was like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell no. There's all, someone, like, someone just told you, it's dry, it's, like, it's wet. Don't let anyone touch it. Fuck yeah, I'm not gonna let anyone touch it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and I don't know what kind of life you know is gonna make up. Like, if you like, if you wait, you know what I mean. Like, I just yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know exactly what's gonna happen if I yeah. pick this other choice. I just for her, I, hers was the, the the cool, confident. Like, I don't need to do anything. Whatever, whatever happens, I'll have a way out. Kind yeah, of thing. Like, yeah. that's how I yeah, that's it. So, yeah, even if you found it out, you know, like, yeah. I love that. I love, I love like no matter. And how I think you that's. Play I Reese. think that's kind of the tough thing with. The storytelling, though, too, is like the idea of like we're starting at the end and hearing, hearing this story. So we already know that there's no choices that are really going to impact these main two characters. Yeah. Because like you start with Reese and you get all the way up to the point where you see the thing. Right. So when he touched it, I was like, it's still going to be there, though, because it's there right. already in the story. Right. So I knew there wasn't going to like. So that's where it's like the weird risk reward, like like the actual risk of things, mm. knowing at least where some people end. Yeah. And being like, hmm, well, I already know that this goes this way. So let's see what happens kind of thing. So that's kind of the decision mm-hmm. I made with him letting him touch it, too. It's like, I already know it's there. So it's weird stuff like that, that just fine. based like, on like, the like, I, I, Yeah, I, I, like, I, don't, I don't mind that weird little uh, element of the of the game. But uh, I, I like that Reese, no matter how you play him, he's still just a little shitbag. Like that one yeah. scene where he's like, like, okay, how did you really react when uh, he was about to leave? Oh, like this is how it played out. Please, yeah. he's like getting on his no. knees. Please, don't. Yeah, he's just kind of a pathetic little lie. character. Yeah, he's not very smooth. He doesn't really. No. Um, so that's a, I, I like that about it. Um, when it came to when kind of Felix betrayed you, what did you guys pick for Fiona? Oh shoot, because um, he's basically got like he has a you know bag of money essentially that you know is going to explode. Right. Um, and you can either warn him or not say anything. I didn't say anything. You didn't? I said something. He said something. I, I For me, I was like, him. dude, screw this. You screwed me over. Like, I'm yeah. a me or nothing kind of person. Like, I'm not going to say nothing. Just Oh, actually, I said, I said, I said something like, it was like witty. And the rude. witty oh, yeah, the quip. Wit, yeah. yeah, I said like the quip to him. Don't let the money get to your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was one of the ones yeah. where I was like, it just felt right to just be like, you know, yeah. It well, falls what, on what you, was buddy. Great, what's great in that moment is because you basically get a gun as Fiona earlier, right? And did you shoot at August? No. When he was so, I did. And when it came down to it, when Felix is running, you get that chance to shoot at him again. And I shot, but I had no bullet. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, that's interesting because I shot at August earlier, which just like hits his hand and like right. you just shoot him. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh. All right. And then so. That's, that's that's interesting like it's it's cool to see like those literal like i could have shot at him and who knows what would have happened but because i shot earlier you know i don't get to make that decision right. now as so the, that's fun as the, the savvy gamer that i am i'm i'm in the school of you know saving your ammunition to where you think you're gonna need it until the point where you just have a shitload of ammunition where it just doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. which is what happens later down in the story too oh really <laughs> you don't have infinite ammo oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, so like that. Um, did you guys buy anything cosmetically for Fiona for the masks? Oh, oh, I, I, you and I, I talked to, I talked to you about this. Uh, Rowan, did you get the little like uh, cute little part where Vaughn and Fiona are separated from Sasha and Reese, uh -huh. and they're talking to that one uh, racer guy, right? Did you get, oh, did yeah. you get the conversation where, where uh, you convince him that you're racers? And like Vaughn's like, hey man, we're super into cars. Vroom vroom. And the, and the gunman's like, yeah, that's what sound the car makes. Vroom vroom. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that at all. I love that. I, got that. I didn't get that at all. And like, it surprised me that you didn't get it. Like, nah, God, it's like there's a lot of God, stuff. Like, God, what am I missing out on? On right, all, all these the choices. choices. That, that's like, oh, I'm just, I'm probably missing out so much gold right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, when we were talking, I was like, oh, what? You had that? You're like, yeah. And you were like. Oh, mine didn't go like that at all. Mine was like us stumbling through the conversation. Right. I mean, like, uh, 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 uh. like, <laughs> so like, yeah, I got nothing, you know, like that from there. I like in this one compared to a lot of the like other Telltale games that the, the writing is really quippy. And so the conversations, no matter what you do, either like if you like fuck up, like you really like you really fuck up. And it's like, it doesn't feel like awkward moments where the game sort of is like, well, weird that that was your choice yeah, yeah. you like i remember like sometimes in like wolf among us like if you chose not to say things people would just be like awkwardly like mm, yeah. okay <laughs> they'd have, yeah they'd have weird reactions to you not saying anything yeah. because like yeah you're such a lead character in that like right. you're expected to say something when you don't indecisive of it don't you think you know, yeah like, yeah <laughs> they do a lot of that kind of stuff so this it's like oh are you just being quiet you big dummy like, yeah you're say shit you're like oh yeah why well, am gonna come back like it, it gets you like into it because it gets you kind of like riled up because the game like makes fun of you for not making choices yeah almost, in a way trusted sasha it's when sasha introduces uh meets him comes like jumps out right who's sasha sasha's august sister. and august's partner no that's sorry that's uh yeah august's partner uh, oh <laughs> um for the <laughs> does that happen when does this like little buddies come up yeah they do the little buddies or is that in the second episode you think of the second episode of oh, august's buddies yeah yeah the second, second episode. episode oh no they show up oh no it is that's no, the beginning no. of the second episode no okay. and and, and this is the when they find the key yeah what did you think about the reveal of handsome jack being what uh reese puts in his head when they he puts that like spike to i was sort of expecting it um, but then again, you know, like I had, I, I'm trying to remember what I felt like when I played it the first time, right? Because this is my second time on the first you, episode. You played the, the at least the second game, right? I never got into the second game. I played the first oh, game, really? but I, 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 my friends were really into the second game, so I have enough information. Um, and it, I, like, I tried it out. I didn't like play it. No. I was just surprised to see such a main character mm -hmm. from that show up versus like side characters, right? Um, and I was kind of a little bummed about it. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it progresses, yeah. really, because when they because when they pick it up, it's like, oh, it's, you know, some random like scientist or whatever. I was like, it'd be interesting if it was just that character versus someone. We yeah, know. I wish right. I, I just wish it was some sort of weird, mad scientist. Bent yeah, on, it would like, be interesting. Destruction or something. Yeah, like, exactly. Just like new, just a new character. But like, like as someone who really like or even someone's too, I didn't like I like I at first didn't really like mm. the idea that mm -hmm. it was Sansom Jack. It's like, come on, we're done with him. Right. Like he's not like we don't need him to come back. Yeah. But like, I, you know, like uh, since I've, I've gone further in the game, uh, I like him a lot more. Yeah, than it's <laughs> it, it becomes better as but it's like. But I just I was not I was like super not into it when it was handsome. Jack. That's fair. I think because I didn't really have an emotional attachment to that character, or like really a because I didn't play the second game, it wasn't as much of a like ah yeah. that's weird or why did I make that choice? It was sort of like oh yeah, like this is a character part of the lore was sort of my reaction. Yeah, I guess. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of my thoughts at least yeah. in the first episode. It ends I'm, with I'm the, digging you know, it. 
the cliffhanger of you know essentially possibly a real vault when they had a fake vault key yeah. before um, i'm excited to play the next one so um next week or it's not gonna be next week it's gonna be a bit before we talk about this again but we'll be moving on to episode two yeah uh the next time we talk about it so uh play that if you want to play along with us that's all folks <laughs>